Perhaps if I'm invited to speak again, we'll read the, the rest of the chapter of Habakkuk. Um, so I'll give you a minute to send out those folders for the young ones. Um, so, I, I can fondly recall the 1988 Winter Olympics. It was held in my home, home city of Calgary. And picture, if you will, at nighttime, styrofoam cups around candles. And we were all sitting around the TVs watching to see if our Brian, Brian Orser, would win the figure skating. Yes, I loved watching figure skating. Um, because, and we were, Brian Orser was against Brian Boitano, the American. Um, in case you were wondering, Canada, Canada, beg your pardon, didn't win a single gold medal that Olympics. And that's the Winter Olympics. We didn't even win the broadcasting rights. That was bought by the American Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC. Um, I'll have to tell you about Calgary um, very shortly, very quickly. We have this strange winter wind. It's called a Chinook wind. And it comes off of the mountains, and it, it warms everything up. Imagine it, it warms everything up to sort of the, the temperature of winter here. So if we're used to, in Canada, we're used to 10 degrees below freezing at, at best, and then it becomes 10 degrees above freezing. It's just beautiful. Um, except if you're a broadcasting company or an Olympics committee, because they needed to suddenly delay all the events. They needed to bring in artificial snow, Rather than a two-week Olympics, they made a three-week Olympics. And to keep the people tuned into the TV, because there was no sport to cover, what they did was they went around and found human interest stories. Human interest stories, you may have heard of some of them. There was this man um, who's a terrible ski jumper named Eddie the Eagle. You know that one? Remember that one? Um, yep. There was, they also found this bobsled team, this bobsled team from Jamaica, who were actually made up of sprinters, had really, prior to this event, really never even seen the bobsled or tried it out or seen snow. Um, you remember Cool Runnings, the movie? Yes, my sister was in it as an extra because um, it was filmed in my hometown. Um, and they even, they, they covered this, this heart-wrenching story of a Canadian speed skater. He was like our gold medal hope, him and Brian um, Orser, our gold medal hopes in speed skating, but his sister died the day before. And he said, I'm going to race because my sister would have wanted it that way. Um, and, and we watched these stories as Calgarians, as Canadians. We watched these stories, and we had to share the heartache of their failures. If you wanted to know, the speed skater crashed out without getting a medal. Now, if, if, you, if we look now at Habakkuk, because I'm not just going to talk about the, my hometown, um, I'm going to talk about three points, prayer, pride, and God's plan. Hab Habakkuk is in a far worse position than the ABC at the Calgary Olympics. To give you some historical background or, or put you in the time of it, so you've got King Jehoiakim. He's two kings after King Josiah. He, king Josiah, he found the book of the law, 
He reformed worship. He brought people back to God. You can read about him in 2 Chronicles. He, he did plenty of good, but he also finished his life in this seemingly pointless battle against a man named um, King Necho. He's the, the, the king of Egypt. Josiah wanted to fight, and Necho didn't, and he, th that's how he died. The two successive kings after Josiah lead Judah away from God again. And now we join Habakkuk. Babylon is marching towards Judah. And he, Habakkuk has got this big issue about wickedness. If you look in your Bibles um, at verse 1, the first thing he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen, or but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Now, Habakkuk firstly makes the right move. He turns to God. He, he says, God, I'm going to keep calling for help. Please be quick. Is it going to take that long? And, and although it might seem like he's, Habakkuk is worried about the Chinook wind in the form of Babylon coming towards him, he's actually worried about his team's metal tally. Look at verse 4. He says, Therefore the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. So the great battle ahead is one of wicked versus righteous within Judah. Habakkuk points out that the law has lost its effect on the hearts of his peers, his Israelite people. They're the ones with the law, but are the ones tallied with the wicked. This paralysis of the law, it, it looks like people knowing what God expects of them, but then just ignoring it. it. It was only a few years earlier that Josiah had brought out the book of the law and said, wow, we really need to listen to this. And now, here we are, it may as well have been lost because no one's listening to God's commands. A according to the passage, the wicked are getting away with whatever they want. And the shocking part of this for Habakkuk is he knows that God's holiness and man's wickedness, they don't go together. In verse 3, he asks God, why should they be tolerating the sins of people around them? So they're coming to an impasse now. Either the people need to change or they need to separate themselves from God. And, and Habakkuk has asked God a question, which gives us the natural pause to consider this question for ourselves. I mean, I've, I've already praised Habakkuk saying, or going straight to God for help, but I want to ask you, is your heart turned against wickedness, like Habakkuk's? And do your prayers ask for God to work righteousness around you and in you? Our world is wicked and perverted. Without getting too personal, I know that we have, we have to repent of sins and turn to Jesus for forgiveness. We need to wage war on the sins of our nations and of our cities and of our hearts. And prayer is the primary means to win that war, just like Habakkuk shows. Uh, if you recall in Luke 18, um, Jesus tells a parable about a woman who turns to a judge asking for justice, and she nags him day and night. And this woman gets justice, Jesus says, because of her persistence. Right now, I would encourage you, if you've got a pen and paper, write down something you need to be asking God for daily. Just write down that thing. This is the thing that I need to be praying for every day. 
Maybe you're going to tie a string around your finger or put a post-it note on the mirror or on the steering wheel that says, I need to be praying for this every day. And children, for you, there's, there's lots of ways you can be also praying for, for your parents, for your world. You can ask your parents to help you pray. But children and parents take the time to pray. Ask God to bring justice. Ask God to right wrongs. Ask God to bring repentance to our loved ones and the world. Uh, many years ago, Kirsty was resting her head against the son's bedroom door, and she was praying for the occupant inside. Another son walked past, and he asked what she was doing. She said, I'm praying for wisdom, which God gives without reproach to anyone who asks. And our son toddled off, and later on, Kirsty walked past, and there was that son with his head on his bedroom door. And he said he was praying for wisdom. Mums and dads, see closed doors as opportunities for prayer. Don't let that closed door stop you from praying. Perhaps you may receive comfort from the prophet Habakkuk, who asks, how long? Just like you do. So it's my first point, pray. Our second point, it's about pride. Um, and, and we began, I, I bored you all with that story about the Chinook wind in Calgary and my country's poor gold medal performance. But Habakkuk, he was worried about his country's performance and not the weather change on the horizon. But there was one. A wind was blowing into Judah. If you read with me in verses 6 to 11. I'm going to read the whole thing um, from 6 to 11. I'm raising up with the Babylonians, so this is God speaking. I'm raising up with the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're a feared and dreaded people. They're, they're a law to themselves, and they promote their own honor. Their horses swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities by building earthen ramps that capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. This desert wind, that's verse 9, is swift, fierce, feared, ruthless, impetuous, and importantly, proud. Look at verse 7. They are feared and dreaded people. They are law to themselves and promote their own honor. If you recall, Habakkuk, he struggles with the Judeans who paralyze the law. On the other hand, these Babylonians, they're bringing the law from themselves. Each decision they make, capricious, violent. They're, they're submitting to Nebuchadnezzar, their king, but verse 10 says they're not bothered by any other king or rule. And Habakkuk, I reckon, probably would have known this. The Babylonians had begun their military campaign. Their reputation would precede them. It would be well known that this nation was moving as fast as the wind across the continent. From the passage, it seems the only motivation for their movement is their hunger for destruction and self-aggrandizement. Look at verse 11. They sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. That phrase, sweep past like the wind, it, it, shows, it implies to me they're not putting down roots or resting. I want you to picture now a, a restless, 
godless people who consume all that is in their path. Their impact is ethereal like the wind, and yet devastating. And the worst indictment of them all is their strength is their God. They're making it all up as they go along, and then worshiping themselves for their accomplishments. Kind of feels like I'm describing Australia. Kind of feels like I'm describing myself sometimes. Everything just seems to link together, too. I, I, I think about how this endless consumption, it points out that I'm not really thinking about what's gone before me or what's, who's ahead of me. I'm not thinking of how I can set other people up or how I can respect what's, come, what's gone in the past. I'm just thinking about the now. It, it's just my needs. It reminds me of that um, bumper sticker, I don't know if you've seen it, Spending My Kid's Inheritance. What, what's motivating that? That you're saying, I'm, it's just me. I'm getting rid of it. I don't, I don't care what's, what's to come or what's been behind me. For, for all the photos we take of ourselves, our memories, again, just, will just be of ourselves. We seem so preoccupied with it. And while we spend days taking photos to show others what we've accomplished, proving, justifying ourselves, that we're due something of worth, we seem to ignore what it really costs to get there. And worse still, we ignore the one, that's God, who actually deserves the praise. And that, I think, is the height of pride. Self-sufficient, self-centered, sorry, self-centered self-sufficiency. It's an idol. God's against it. Their own strength is their God. The Babylonian strength is what provided them their empire. In the same way, Australia has resources, plays among the G20, some of the biggest nations of the world, but it's not political, it's really personal. Hey, our strength, our agency is what we praise for our success. So I ask you, have you glorified God for your success? Do you trust him alone for your daily bread? Or is your dependence actually within? Although Judah's law is paralyzed, the Babylonians are moving freely. And Habakkuk had this problem. You see, he knew that if his nation would repent, that means turn around, if his nation would repent and turn to God, then God would hear and save. But he also knew that his nation was violent and wicked. He knew that God would not save them from Babylon. And verse 5, God makes it clear. This is the third point, God's plan. Turn with me to verse 5. There's an imperative at the start. It's really just the first thing that God says. He says, look. Habakkuk says, how long? And God says, look. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians. God is telling Habakkuk, he doesn't need to wait any longer, but he's also telling him what he didn't want to hear. You won't believe this. The Babylonians are part of my plan of redemption. I'm going to bring my people back by first carting them off to Babylon. Does that sound strange to you? That God would bring an army against his people as a means of bringing about their repentance and paying for the crimes committed against him and against each other. That violence we brought up, he's mentioned before. I think it should. I mean, I'm raised on a Hollywood diet, so I'm expecting at some stage someone's going to snap their fingers and it's going to be fixed. Um, but God's command isn't to step in. 
God's command is to look and to trust. And Habakkuk had to keep doing that while it happened around him. He's standing by, like his contemporary Jeremiah, and watching as his towns are destroyed and his, his people are exiled. And he has to look and trust. I think there's a word in that for us as well. Because on this side of the cross, we know that Jesus Christ is the one that we must look to and trust. His work in salvation came at great cost and was so surprising that the people around him, they, it, it caught them unawares. They didn't comprehend that the one God was raising up to bring deliverance was going to do so through his death. Children, if the consequence for hitting your sister involved washing the dishes, and then dad does the dishes for you, do you still need to do the consequence? No, it's been completed. The plates are washed clean. Jesus does just this. He takes the consequence of death, which is what sin deserves. He takes that upon himself. We just need to trust God's plan, that he will bring us to himself. He will. It's not our job, God. Jesus already did it. Um, and friends, the salvation brought by Jesus, for those who are aware of it, you, I hope you find it utterly amazing. And if you don't, I, I recommend just taking a step back and saying, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Look again at our Savior, accepting an ignominious and violent death, wearing our sins and shame, wearing our hurts and horrors, wearing a crown of mockery and pain. He put these on for us. We just look on and trust. It seems difficult. I mean, personally, I keep wondering, it, it, God, is there more I need to do? Is there something I can do to work out my salvation? Do I, do I need to, is there a little thing I have to do? God didn't ask Habakkuk to do anything, and he doesn't ask us to do anything to receive salvation. Now, now I'm going to clarify that we spoke about turning from wickedness earlier, um, and in our reading later on, which I'm going to talk about. John is, is turning people to repentance for forgiveness of sins. Um, that, I would like to see that as the fruit of turning to Jesus, the fruit of knowing him, rather than the means of salvation. Um, it's, it's like the child, after the dishes are done, deciding not to hit the sister again. In our New Testament reading, John the Baptist has faithfully followed his mandate to prepare the way for Jesus and call others to that repentance. John's life, I mean, we, we heard about that. I don't think we'd consider it easy. And he, he's standing up to those leaders of the day. In verse 19, John rebukes the ruler Herod for marrying his own sister. And for this, John is thrown into prison and later on beheaded. And I, and I end on John just to point out that injustice is still happening. Australia isn't doing so great. We've made pretty awful laws and by and large made our strength our God. I mean, I see this when, when we say we're going to plant two million trees, but then untold numbers of unborn children are killed. We don't want others sapping our strength and our livelihood. I see this when Victoria legalizes euthanasia because when people's strength is sapped, take away their lives. But Hear encouragement from John's mouth starting at verse 16. One who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. It's Jesus who brings the divine wind, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows us who Jesus is, opens up our eyes to his grace. The Spirit makes us alive in him when we are dead in sin and teaches us to live the way we should live. It's Jesus who also brings the final judgment. That's that winnowing fork John is referring to. Jesus is going to separate the wheat from the chaff, which is the righteous and the unrighteous. He's going to bring that judgment with perfect justice. And we need to look and trust. I've talked about today prayer, praying regularly. Check our pride and trust God's plan. Our lives require a relationship of total dependence on the Lord. And that dependence is shown in prayer. We are to persevere and obediently trust in God while we wait for Christ's return. And we ask Jesus to live that faithful and persevering life in and through us by his spirit and for his glory. I'm going to pray for you. Um, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this chance to... Reflect on your word, and we do pray that you'd carry it to our hearts, and you'd work in us and through us, um, making us more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Joel's just said, um, he's helped us to reflect this morning on always turning to God in prayer as our first action, to reflect on our own pride and how that uh, impacts on the world and those around us, and that God has a plan that is perfect, although it may not seem so to us, but he knows what his plan is for us and for the world and we can trust fully in that. At the start I just uh, read uh, from Isaiah um, and uh, the fact that John came to make the path level for Jesus to preach the good news and in um, Proverbs it says Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways to submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that um, we can uh, reflect on God's word in Habakkuk to know that uh, your plan is perfect and we can trust in you fully. Help us always to turn to you in prayer as our first action and not to trust in our own strength. And help us not to be prideful and look to ourselves, but always to look to you. And now, Lord, as we go out into the week we just pray that uh, we may honor you in all things and trust in you
In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now we're going to finish with one more song. like to stand with us. The gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is wholly bound to his oh how strange and
just quickly say, see, check if there's any announcements. I think there's, there's just the life of Jesus. So for those who are just here today, just so you know, ne- this term sometime we're starting a Bible study series to see Russell for some details. It's a historical study introducing who you to Jesus. And I don't know what that is. Oh, there you go. What's going on there? So there's an information night at Windaroo Valley State High School. Ad- what's going on there? Oh, that's the actual thing. So, if you'd like to go see the Mark drama, or maybe invite somebody at Windaroo at 7.30, you see the deets there? Great. And anything else? And if you'd like to give to the Ministry of the Church, please use Postbox at the table or online. I think that's everything. God bless you.